When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me. This is a first ever done podcast. Um, just a, I think you guys are going to love this. I absolutely love this conversation. It was fresh. It was new. Something we haven't done before. This is a just a um, a dog trainer uh, down south from from us had had bought this online session with me for his dog trainer. What an amazing gift um, from a business owner. So take notes. Anybody else out there, uh, little gifts like this to your employees go a long way. And so this guy has a dog training company and his uh, trainer and him are big fans of the work that I do. And so we kind of just talked about reactivity and we talked about dog training tips and uh, we talked about how to grow a business a little bit at the end. And there's just a lot of really good information in here. And I know it's going to be beneficial to you guys because it's new. Um, it's it's a different approach. It's different questions. It's a different thing. So, And I think it's going to create a lot of inspiration for anybody that's struggling with their dog because um, you know everyone struggles with their dogs to some degree, uh, me and anybody else professionally. And I hope that this uh, motivates and empowers other people to you know keep going and keep working with their dogs. So this is an amazing podcast for you guys. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. And uh, guys, if you want me to answer your questions, if you're listening to this, you're traveling, you're working, you're driving, you're cleaning, whatever you're doing, first of all, I love you and I appreciate you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Uh, Second of all, I want to give back to you in some way. If you have a question on anything about dogs related or anything else, go to the iTunes review chart, leave a review, and I'll answer it next episode. If you're listening to this on Spotify, do me a solid and leave a review to help us out. Let's get into the podcast. Dude, Tom, what's up, man? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. <clears throat> getting ready to head to Canada tomorrow. So we're just like packing and getting ready for okay. that. Yeah. Cool, man. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a dog trainer here in Charleston, South Carolina, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina, by the beach right now, enjoying the lovely weather. Um, and I have, I have a huge dog training operation. I have one full-time employee and, uh, she's incredible, dude. She's an absolutely incredible. And, um, she's coming up on her one year anniversary, uh, with us. And we're both, uh, we both follow you. Uh, online and stuff. We love your stuff, dude. Amazing. And Thank so you. I just thought it would be cool for her if we could just hang out, talk shop a little bit. This would be a, probably a little bit. I don't know what you normally do on these, but uh, we're just uh, we like you, dude. We we like you a lot. So we wanted to just talk to you a little bit, get to know you a little bit. I don't know. I appreciate uh, and that. hang out. 
yeah. So I don't know if that's allowed with these sessions. Of, of but course. I guess we've got questions about dogs. But let me. I'm going to hand you over to uh, JC, my illustrious uh, new training team lead. Here you go. Hi. What's up, JC? How are you? How are you? Good. Good. I'm okay. No, not gonna lie. I'm a little <laughs> anxious right now because when I started my dog training career, like I first person I followed was you and I found you. So like I've learned so much through your videos on just making myself better. So I wanna say thank you for that. Um I definitely do have some questions because like I have two shelter dogs and like I feel so much confidence helping other people in their dogs and I get so much success. But my one shelter dog is a pity that she was eight months when I got her. She's a little over she just turned two actually. And her biggest thing, like she's fear reactive to their dogs. And I struggle, like when it's just me and her, we do pretty good. But like if my boyfriend comes out with me and then we have like my puppy and stuff with us, she is like ten times more reactive. Okay. Um so right now, uh are you guys are you on uh Wi Fi? Or are you on regular, like, network? Yeah, we're fine, but it's, uh, we're sitting outside. Let me turn my Wi-Fi off. Yeah, I was going to say, if you turn your... Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. There we go. Yeah, if you turn the Wi-Fi off, uh, a lot of times it'll just be, like, a better connection. So, well, thank you for all the kind words. I appreciate it. It means, uh, it means a lot to me, you know, knowing that there's other people out there that are benefiting from, uh, you know, the the all the work that me and my team are doing so it always it it always uh is nice to hear that um you know other people enjoy the things that we're doing because we work really hard to try to to try to do just that so thank you and then so you have a two-year-old you said pity mix or just like a pit bull she's a american pit uh, american pit bull terrier mix so she's 50 percent american pit bull terrier and then the other 50 percent is just a mutt okay um, and she's fear reactive and it's, it's more, it's more with, it's when you and your boyfriend and not when your boyfriend's around or it's when you're not around. So when I'm with her, like, and if it's just me and her, we're like, she's great. We can, she's very good. Like she'll engage and I can get her to disengage and stuff like that. But when him and my puppy come out with us, it's like her disengaging, she'll end up disengaging, but it takes longer and more like. Hey, uh-uh, like over here, a couple more pops on the prong and stuff like that, or like a couple more. Yes, like I'll, cause when she sees the dog and she doesn't react, she, I'll give her a yes and she gets a reward for that as she keeps walking with me. But I've also learned this, I saw it in like a group that I was on. Like if you see the dog and yes, and they look at you, reward. So I started doing that because a lot of the times, like I'll be on our walk and I'll have her in a break. I don't want her to heal with me the whole time. I want her to be a dog and enjoy herself. So, like, I'll give her the yes when she sees it to come back. And, like, that normally brings her back to me. And then, okay, probably heal. And then, but if my boyfriend and the puppy are there, that's kind of like, uh-uh. Like, that dog needs to stay away. Yeah, and that's that's just, like, that protective uh, behavior coming in, maybe. Uh, I would suggest doing some well so you you feel like if puppy and boyfriend are with you the reactivity is much more intense 
Yes. Yeah. So what I what I would recommend is I would so there's when you have a dog that is especially terriers because they're very they can become very reactive because of their prey drive and some other things in their genetics of like just making them more like intense really like they like mm-hmm. to be very intense they go zero to a hundred and they can be very vocal and it's it's a little overwhelming or sometimes a lot overwhelming for a lot of people because it's like it's this thing that kind of turns into this Tasmanian devil and it's like hard to get off that that ledge if you will so what I recommend is I do a lot of like over the last couple of years I've gotten really big into using a lot of body work and body movement to move the dog around a little bit. So I've been saying, kind of using the term, uh, wherever the head will go, the mind will follow or vice versa, depending on how you look at it. And so what I do is I do a lot of body work to just deescalate the dog. I call it, I call it reactivity dismantlement. So as the dog starts to build, they'll go up in levels like one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, and 10 is obviously losing their mind. So what I try to do in a very short period of time is I'll break the dog's state of mind down with just body movement. So instead of just correcting the dog or paying the dog, we'll have something in between those two things to help really solidify the objective. And so I'll do a lot of like inside, like if the dog's on your left, I'll do a lot of like inside turns and move the dog, you know, the the other way to cut off that vision and, and vice versa. I'll do an outside turn to kind of move the dog in the other direction. And what I try to do, especially with terriers is they are typically very motivated by really anything. So food, toys, whatever. And I try to like, I try to use that to my advantage especially if the dog is like heavily motivated by a toy in that that's when I'll like use a lot of tug play to like kind of move past the dog. It's, and I've been, and I'm just throwing these words out because it's things I've just like made up on my own. That makes sense. I call that like constructive avoidance. So instead of just blatant avoidance of like, Hey, look at, look at, look at, look at what I got over here. Look, don't pay attention to the dog. Like that bandaid type thing which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just doesn't help the dog deal with what they're doing. What I do is I'll do a lot of like constructive avoidance. So if I'm healing towards or near a dog and I can feel my dog start to go up like one, two, three, four, I'll just do a quick little drawback, get the dog's attention. If they give me that engagement, I'll pay the dog with a tug and I'll have a duration of like 15 to 20 seconds. I'll out the dog. I'll pay him really quickly again as the other dog passes So you just have to get really creative in your handling in order to start to deescalate that build because every single peg that you like put the dog down, like if you like put them down a peg, um, it's going to put you into the driver's seat to, to handle that dog more successfully because I find a lot of people will let the dog build until they're at like, like six to eight mark where they're like really starting to already lose it. And the only thing you can really do is like get the dog out of there, especially terriers because they really get intense or they can get intense. And yeah, she has that stereotype too because of being the pit that they're mean and aggressive. And like, she's a sweetheart. She's never been in a dog fight. She gets along with like my boyfriend's mom's dog and stuff like that. But it's the reactivity. And then, I mean, I don't really care what other people think. I know my dog. Um, But so I've tried the tug. I have like a just like a tug from Amazon. Are there any, cause she's absolutely obsessed with her ball. 
but I've mm-hmm. never like thought about bringing that out and like how I would use it. Cause I don't want to toss it and then her go to get it and then get a correction from the prong or something like, t- cause she'll toss it up in the air and she'll jump for it. So yeah. I don't want her to correct her. That. Yeah. 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 Um, what kind of ball? T- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do that all the time. Is there a, um, like a ball tug or something? Like what kind of like, cause I had one, but she broke the string off of it because she's a terrier. And once she wants to tug, we're tugging. So she's broken the string off of it. Is there like any like ball tugs that you would recommend? Yeah, there's a couple different. I mean, there's a lot of people making them now. Um, I am so there, there's a couple different ones that you can get. You can get ones that are on like the really hard biothane, like kind of rubbery, plasticky things. Um, it doesn't really matter as long as, so if you get something when you're playing tug with her, you just want to get something that is going to be between you two and she's not going to go and take it and then rip it because that's, that's where they end up like getting themselves into trouble and like biting the rope off or whatever. So I would just make sure that, uh, for the, the ball tug, you get just something that's like on the rope or, or like, you know, something that you feel comfortable with, but they make all this company sent me, um, I can't remember what it's called, but they sent me this tug that was basically like a really thick, like biothane loop on it with like a chuck it on it. And I can't remember the, the company it's in one of my YouTube videos, but that was a really nice one. Cause it was really thick and it was nice to play with. I don't necessarily like, like rope on a, on a rope or on a ball, sorry, because it like rips your hands art off and I hate that. So I typically will just like let the dog play. I'll grab the toy, rip it around a little bit. But what you can do is if she is motivated by the ball is you can start to build her up. So again, like let's say you're, you're going to do this randomly. So you're going to like randomize your reward schedule with her. But what you'll do is you'll basically go out and you'll flash her the ball, just like take it out of your pocket, and then she'll be like, ooh, and she'll get excited, and then ask her to do a couple things, maybe like heal or, um, you know, focus or down or just do some basic OB with her. And then as as that is, as you're doing that with her, then what I would do is like pay her. So you say, okay, break, and then you hold on to the ball, and then she hits the ball, she targets it, you play with her for a little bit, you engage with her, you let her win it, you drop it out of your handle, um, she takes it, she plays with it, etc. And then you kind of grab it back, you outer, and then you move forward. But if you keep that tug game alive, that's where you'll, you'll see her engage with, with you a lot more. So instead of like throwing it and breaking it on the ground, what I would do is just present it on the rope next to her. So when she jumps and leaps to grab it, it's not going to correct her. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that was my biggest thing. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm new in the dog trades. I've only been doing this for almost a year. But, like, I feel like my one of my bigger setbacks, like, because of my dog, I feel like I can't grow if my dog is, like, staying in this reactive state and I can't fix it. It's not – yeah, but there's some dogs that you can't fix. They're unfixable. So you have to remember that, that some dogs, like, their, their personality – well, there's so much growth to – I mean, if you had easy dogs, you wouldn't be learning. Right. The fact that you have harder dogs to work with, you're going to be sharpening your tools every day because you have a dog that keeps you on your toes. And that's what that's what really will will keep you invested into training and keep you hungry for wanting to learn more. Because 
I, you know, the easy dogs, like they're, they're not going to teach you a lot. You know, you may learn like new things to say or new treats to use or something. But when you have dogs that just go down that, that's why I don't put out really any content with easy, like puppies. Like I just did this puppy series and it'll probably be the last one I do for years because, you know, not, not many people cared about it. And it was just like the easiest thing in the world. And I think that those two go hand in hand. And so my point is, is the harder dogs, the more challenging dogs are what's going to keep you to get better. But, and then on the other side to that too, is just remember that not every dog is, you know, air quotes fixable. If, um, you, your objective should be to decrease the reactivity levels, not to have your dog, um, not be reactive at all. So you just have to work on that, but that'll make you a better trainer is you say, okay, here's this dog that I have. How can I decrease or minimize the reactivity? And that, and there's always a way to do it and you just have to figure out what's going to work. And if you put yourself in that situation, you'll learn with a really challenging dog, you'll like go the distance to try to figure out creatively how to get the results that you want. And then that way, when somebody else brings you like a semi-reactive dog, you're going to be already like primed up and it's going to be easy. Yeah. Well, and see, that's the thing. A lot of like, cause I have, I've worked with the, some of these semi-reactive dogs. Um, and a lot of the time it is, I'm sure you have the same thing where it's like they're in the owner's hands and they're reactive, but then they're in your hands and they're fine. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know, I guess maybe, from that aspect, like I'm starting to think I'm the problem, but then I know like when I see the other dogs, like I'm, I'm not even like paying attention. That dog doesn't exist to me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also just about, um, it's also, it's, I've been realizing, you know, with dog reactivity that it's also, sometimes it's like, it's always this cliche thing of like, you're the problem, right? Like, that's why I created no bad dogs is I got sick of saying that. I'm like, yeah. Or dog owners would come in and be like, it's almost like you're training me. I'm like, that's, that's, that's what we, that's what it is. Right. So I think, um, you also have to keep in mind that your dog cares more about you and therefore the dog will become more reactive with you because the dog cares a lot more about you. There's, there's an emotional attachment there that the dog isn't going to have with other people. So in some cases, it's a little bit endearing to see your dog not care about anybody else, but you until it becomes unhealthy. And then, then you, so I guess my point is, is there's some times where it's blatantly like, no, you, you are the problem and solution for sure. But then other times, some dogs just have this um, relationship with owners and it makes them more intense and more reactive. You know, it'd be like, I don't know, if if you read something on the news about something bad happening to somebody else, you're going to think like, that's really terrible, man, that sucks. But if it happened closer to home to you, then it would you'd care a lot more about it, right? So sometimes you have to look at it in an emotional standpoint too, that it's not necessarily anything that you're doing wrong. It's just the dog doesn't care about anybody else. So when I'm, if I were to take your dog and go out, the dog may be like, yeah, I don't care about anything. I don't need to protect anybody because, you know, whatever. But then also you have to look on the other side too to say like, well, my dog, my dog only misbehaves or does this behavior that I don't like with me. So that's that's a problem. So you just have to – but you have to brainstorm really to figure out why these things happen. And you have to do everything that you can to minimize the reactivity in the variables and the triggers because 
if it is that black and white where if you give your dog to your boyfriend and there's nothing and then you take your dog and then there's a whole thing, it does make it very, very clear that, you know. Oh, well, it's like it with both of us. It's, so if she's with me, like just me, like I can manage her, like she's going to, her hair's going to stick up, her ears are going to prick up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, if it's just me and her and we're out, I'm working her and stuff. Um, she's fine, but it's when we're all together or, and part of it is because like, as I don't know what exactly it is, but my boyfriend, whenever I tell him something about with our dogs, cause we have a high energy puppy and then the reactive pity. And whenever I tell him something, it's okay, Caesar. <laughs> that's, that's the reaction I get. Mm-hmm. So it makes it kind of hard. Cause I'm like trying to enforce like these things and let them be dogs, but these boundaries still mean something, or teach him how to, like, if you're handling Prada and she's doing this, you have to make sure you're doing this, because if not, she's going to go to level 10, because that's what I've been trying to prevent, so I don't know if, like, him also not really, like, caring that much is making it worse, Yeah. because it's kind of like a one-sided thing. Yeah. 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 It's like parenting. I think, you know, um, if one handler owner is acting a certain way to trigger, like if, you know, that's what reactivity is though, is it's different things that go into your environment that create the reactivity. So that's what reactivity is like pop rocks in a package is nothing. And then you pour them into like your mouth or a soda or something. And it like, there's a reaction. So that's what you have to figure out is you have to figure out what the reaction is and what the, what the trigger is. And that's where you have to just dig down to, to figure that out. And you have to investigate and you have to look at the equation and see, um, you know, see what's going on. And, And that's hard to, that's hard for anybody that is, looking in to, to figure out like what's going on, because it could be something that, uh, you know, you guys are like, for whatever reason, your relationship or whatever, like he just feels the need to be overly protective or just, you know, basically he's like, Hey, this is my whole family. This is all I care about. Or she, sorry, this is all I care about. And she's just more reactive because, you know, you guys are all together. I, I, I mean, who knows, but that's where you have to, that's where like, in my opinion, that's where like the good dog training starts to work there and it starts to get better is it may take you some time to figure out. And, um, yeah. So she, so she's more reactive with all three of you plus the puppy together. Mm -hmm. And then with you, with her, she's a little bit like her hair will stand up and get a little like stimulated. She'll, her hackles will go. She'll like her ears will prick up and she's staring, but I can disengage her and we can keep going. Mm -hmm. When, and so what, so when your boyfriend's around, do you think, do you think it's the puppy or do you think it's your boyfriend? I think it's both, honestly, because there are times, so like I live in an apartment and so there are times where I'll take um, them out together. Like we have a little dog park, so I work them and then they don't go in the dog park with other dogs. I only bring them in there when it's just the two of us or the three, me and the two dogs. So She'll be great if we're going to do some off-leash in the dog park with just me and her. But if it's me, her, and the puppy, like, I can walk them both in a heel together. But then she's more reactive with the puppy there. And then if it's all four of us, she's even more reactive than just with the three. Just with me and the dogs. Um, Was the reactivity there before the puppy? Yes. 
um, ha- did you get the, did you get her with your boyfriend? Yes. Okay. So you don't really she doesn't really know a life without puppy or well with the boyfriend and then the how old's the puppy? Well, she's not technically a puppy anymore. She just turned a year old, okay. but she feel all that puppy energy and stuff. Um, yeah. Do you feel like she is her sometimes? So there's a couple things. Sometimes the the other dog's behavior um, will make that will make other dogs vulnerable and more protective because they're like, oh, I got to be in charge because you know the the younger dog is is not paying attention and being crazy and whatever. And that, that'll happen too, where you'll kind of have this policing type dog where, um, it sounds like, um, your pit bull is more like, she's more like taking the wheel because she's like, nobody else is going to like pay attention. So I, I gotta be mom here and I gotta warn everybody off and whatever. And so, uh, making sure that also puppy is obedient and in some sort of control. And then if that checks out, like I would, I would literally be doing all sorts of different variable switches. So I'd be going like you and your boyfriend out situation, keep puppy in the car, see how that goes. And then if you're like, okay, that was different. And then you just grab the puppy, see how that goes. And then you kind of combine them all. And then your job is to kind of see the variables here. And then, um, when, when you're, when she, what did you say? Her name was Prada. Prada. When Prada reacts, what it what do you normally do in that situation like what is your what is your game plan in that so like okay but it depends on the situation so like with it just me and her or when it's like me her and the puppy just when she like it doesn't matter like when she starts to get to a point where she's reacting vocally like actually reacting what do you do so when she's re- like before once i see her starting Like the first thing I'll either do if once she looks, I'll give her a yes. And then normally we'll bring both of their attention to me, whether I have just her or her and the puppy, but then they get their treat and we keep walking and then she'll kind of start going, getting reactive and barking and stuff. So I'll do a turnaround. I'll do an out, like turn 180 and start walking the other way. Then when I have them both back in a heel, I'll give them a sit, create some distance, go back into a heel and then turn around and keep going on our walk. Okay. Um, uh, have you had the, your boyfriend handle the puppy while you're doing this or is it just you handling both? He'll be handling the puppy while he's do while I would be doing that. Normally when it's the four of us, I give him the puppy because she just gets excited, but she's easier to yeah. just get out of date. Um, and then I'll take Prada, but he'll keep walking with the puppy if I have Prada. So, Here's what I would do is, and and these are just suggestions to try because that's what dog training is, 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 is an, it's a constant like, uh, equation of trying to figure out what's going to work, uh, as like an investigation. And that's, that's what it is. And so I would keep your boyfriend and the puppy behind you, not in front of you, because the more that the dog goes in front of you, the more that your more that Prada is going to be more reactive, because that happens all the time. If you get a couple dogs working with one another and you get another dog that's a little bit more protective, if the other dog goes in front, you're going to get that, you're going to get a reaction from that. So then you have all these compounding like stacks of different things of why we're reactive. And you, and if you keep stacking them on, the reactivity is going to be more intense and it's going to be harder for you to deescalate it. 
So a dog being in front of you, regardless of how reactive Prada is in general, you put your boyfriend and another younger dog in front of you, she's already going to be like, oh God, oh God, where, where are they going? Come back. Don't get too far. So you don't want to like, you don't want to, again, stack those things. So I would be having puppy and boyfriend behind you. Whenever you're doing your dismantlement, don't put them in front of you because that's, again, another stack. You don't want to put these cards against you. You want to make the easiest route possible for success. So so tell your boyfriend to just drop back a little bit because if there's a dog in front of you and if the reason why your dog is reactive is behind you, um, you could look at it a couple of different ways to say, well, that could make the dog more reactive because they're in front and they're protective and whatever. And that could be, sure, That that's, yeah. But also if you stop, and start to do some exercises to dismantle and to, to bring down that build. And then the puppy and boyfriend are in front that could make also things not good. So I would, I would be practicing that just say like, Hey, I want you to, I want you to get, get behind me and I'm just going to do a little bit of work. Um, and then the other thing, uh, when you're turning, so when you're doing your outside turn with Prada, are you saying anything or how are you doing that? I'll just, I'll turn and I'll say Prada heel. Okay. Um, and does she normally do that with you? Normal, like, so there will be times it really, that will depend on how close the dog is that she's reacting to. Normally I can just turn and say Prada heel and she turns right back around and comes with me. But if the dog is like closer, then she will hit the end of the leash and give herself a pop and come right back. Okay. So what I would do is make sure that you do the pop. Um, so you have like a couple seconds there to help with that correction to teach. Um, so when you turn with her and you do your outside turn and she is engaged enough with the other dog where she's unresponsive to your cue, that's where you would correct her before she corrects herself because the correction from you and that pop from you is going to is going to make more sense to her than her hitting the end of the leash because that I think that that's going to frustrate her a little bit more. She kind of hits the end of the leash. It's taut. It's tense. It's tense. So what I would do is as you turn and you say Prada heel, you go. Depending on your obedience and understanding of one another's expectations, um, you would immediately enforce that if she didn't to kind of keep her on her feet. Like hey, no, 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 with me, and that will. Again, that's another part of having a like a constructive avoidance where you're not dealing with the problem head on. You're just using countering obedience to say like, hey, let's do this instead and make better decisions. And before you know it, you're past the dog and it's like, oh, okay, that was easy. So that's what I would do is make sure when you turn, prod a heel. And if she does it and she's like kind of eyeing the other dog, that's where that correction has to come in. Because if, she, if you wait for her to hit the, le the end of the leash, um, the biggest thing that you're missing is that really clear correction. Okay. Um, now I kind of have a question about the prong. So for mm -hmm. a dog, she's like 53 pounds. Yeah. And right now I'm on the 3.2 Herm Springer. Mm -hmm. Do you think trying her on the 2.2 would be better? Yeah, it would be better. You just have to make sure you have a safety clip. The other thing that you could try too. Um, is, a like the plastic pinch collars would be good too. Um, but yeah, it, you know, the prong collar that you, so the, so the tool that you're using to help control the dog and to help, help the dog make better decisions is that 
and it doesn't matter like, you know, what you're using, but there's some equipment that works and some equipment that just doesn't. And so the prong collar over time has obviously been a game changer for hundreds of thousands of, if not millions of people. And the sizing of that collar and the position of that collar is the difference between putting gas in your car and not. It's either going to work or it's not. So I just had a client in, um, just a big, like big working line, long coated German shepherd. And they had like a 3.2 on and it, it was, it was just wasn't fit. Right. It was like way down by his, like the top of his chest. And the guy that had the dog was, um, going through some health issues. And so he just was having a hard time physically handling the dog. And I said, look, um, there's no, it doesn't matter how well trained your dog is in this equation. If this powerful big dog wants to pull this person going through some health issues, there's no, it doesn't matter like how well trained your dog is. If there's a rabbit or another dog or a deer or something and the dog wants to go, you you have to be prepared for that. And that's just the reality of the world that we live in, realistic training. So I ended up changing the collar to a lot. It was like a, we went from like a 3.2 to a 3.0 and we put it like right behind his ears and they, they had no idea there. They, it was just like, they could take it on and off, like by pulling it over his head. Anyway, huge difference. Yeah. Huge, huge difference. Um, changed, changed the way that the dog yielded to the leash pressure considerably. And they felt a lot more comfortable handling dog. And they even went into group class, um, with this reactive dog and they, they crushed it. So anyway, um, yes, I would move to a, 2.25, but just make sure you have a safety clip. If the two points, because the 2.25 is, is obviously like a great, um, all, uh, that's like my go-to unless it's like a lab or bigger. Um, it just gives you more definition. It gives you more control. It gives you more. It's like, it's like the difference between traction on your tires. Like if you have like a smaller groove to like little knitted, um, pack down thing, you're just going to get more tighter traction. And if you have like a bigger one, it's like for different dogs that doing different things. So yeah, I would switch to that. Okay. Um, okay. I just, that was really my biggest thing because I feel like I, I mean, I know I'm growing because I'm working with new dogs all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you learn something new from every dog. I just felt like I was holding myself back with my own dogs. Um, so my last question for me, because I know Bob wants to ask you some things. Um, yeah. What, like, because I'm so interested in, like, I just want to try different things. I want to try protection, and I want to try, like, show obedience. Like, I don't want to actually show necessarily, but, like, I just want to, like, do that stuff and just see if I like it. But I just don't know how to go about doing sets. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, that's what you want to do. You really, um, it's, it's exciting, you know, it's exciting times to, to be in the position that you're in. I mean, you're, you're young and you're getting into it and that's what you want to do is you want to really look at all the things. That's why I always tell people like when we were on tour, um, this last fall, uh, we had a lot of dog trainers coming out to the meet and greets and stuff and just asking about like what they should, how they, how they should better and get into it and grow and all this stuff. And, you know, I always tell people like the dog training industry is such a big umbrella. And I think that's like the biggest, I think if we could, I think if the general public and all dog trainers professionally could understand the magnitude and size of how big the umbrella is of dog training, I think we would all 
agree on a lot more because it seems like everybody's like, you know, very black and white. And so regardless of that, uh, as far as education and knowing, um, like getting your hands on as many dogs as you can to try to figure out certain things is like a, a good way to start. But then also, like you said, like going to watch other dog sports and going to walk, watch other dog competitions and clubs and stuff is really how you figure out what you want to do and what you're comfortable with. Because I did that too. I, I, I did a, I did a, a good amount of protection back in the day when my dog was a puppy. Um, I watched a lot of like competitive obedience when I went to like uh, Schutzen at the time, watching like how all that worked. And there was a lot of AKC obedience people in those trials. And like, it was really cool to see. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, like what, what I really love still, obviously to this day is, is behavior. It's just like why I got into working with dogs is because I'm just naturally like, can just do it. I don't think about it. I just do it. And that's like what comes naturally to me. And that's how I got into the dog space. And so I think for you, um, go, that's a great idea to go out and like join Facebook groups. You know, if, 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 if it's like, if you can, you know, like it's kind of a scary place because it's, it's a very like culty, as you probably already know, it's a very culty, like, what side are you on? Whose team are you in? And that, and that kind of sucks for young dog trainers and young professionals trying to learn and trying to grow and trying to figure it out. And I th- think, and I hope that over the next, you know, 10 years or so, um, that'll continue to get better with education and content creation from, from people teaching people how to do things right. And so I think just tread lightly when you do those things. But I think if you can get around a good group of people that are all trying to learn, then, there's no limit to what you can learn because even if you wanted to do behavioral work and then you went out and watched like um, a ring sport or an agility trial or fast cat or barn hunts or, you know, rally. I mean, the list kind of goes on of what different groups do things. And I think the more you can go and see, you're always going to learn something from those groups. And it'll also just make you better at you know, anything else that you do, they kind of all rub off on each other. And yeah, that's what I would do. You just have to be, and I know that you know this because you're in the game, but you just have to be like, you know, careful about um, what you put your energy into only because, you know, you can get let down, unfortunately, with like things. Like I just, I hear stories about that all the time, you know, like, somebody joins like a group and they get all along and it's like this beautiful thing. And then like they get into it and it's like this really like political like agenda. And it's like, Whoa, I I just want to train dogs. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. And you know, so yeah, so I would do that because that's how you're going to find like really what your passion is. And I have, I have my own staff, like my own staff do that stuff all the time in the weekends. So they'll do like, like we have a PSA group at my facility on the weekends that some law enforcement agents like do on the weekends that my staff will go to. My staff does like fast cat. They go and do that. They'll go and do agility and dock diving. And so just mix it up to see like what you like. Okay. Um, so quick last question and then I will. <laughs> You're fine. Sorry. You're fine. Well, so I'm actually, I'm from New Jersey and I moved down here a couple years ago. And I'm going back up at the end of this month to visit 
do you know of anything because New York is only like an hour and 40 minute drive from where my family lives do you know of any like shows up there that I could go and watch that might be coming up because I struggle to like find things down here I don't know I might stop looking in the right places but yeah yeah like I said it's kind of it's a weird underground thing sometimes in some locations um and yeah it's weird. It's a weird, um, to answer your question, I like what, like what type of stuff do you want? What would you be interested in? I mean, I'm like interested in like the protective shots and seems very interesting. Agility is interesting to me. Scent work is interesting. Like it's all interesting to me. Mm. And I just don't know which one is like, I would feel more passionate about because I've never actually other, like, I mean, my cousin is a canine worker for a police unit. And I've seen some of his shows, but most of their shows were like couple, like little things. And it was, I was very young when I started watch when I would see them. Cause I mm-hmm. moved here right when I turned 18 mm-hmm. and then that's when I being my passion for dogs. Cool. Um, I don't, I don't know of anything. I mean, there's, there's groups in, in New Jersey. Um, I don't know. See, see, here's, here's the problem. Okay. This is exactly what I was talking about is I have to be careful about what I recommend because I just like, I only know a handful of people really well that I would trust like with my life in the dog world. And, and that, that's not, that's just means that I, you know, I, I, I just like, I don't know. I, I know colleagues, I have colleagues and stuff, but I don't know everything that they do. And I've been kind of burnt in the past by telling people like, yeah, go check this person out. And then we'll get a message or an email and be like, those, that's a bad person. Like, those, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, and it kind of makes me look bad, obviously. Cause I'm like, I, they seem, cool. yeah. Cause I'm like, Hey, they seem cool. Like go check them out. And that's why I kind of like, there's only a couple people that I've worked with that I've, I would, you know, very comfortably be like, yeah, go and um, check that out. So um, I don't know anybody off the top of my head just because like, even if I did, I would be hesitant to tell you because I've just had bad experiences doing just this. Somebody's like, Hey, do you know anybody here? I'm like, yeah, those guys seem pretty cool. Go check them out. And then it's like a terrible experience because what they do off camera or what they do behind doors is, is not okay. Yeah. And it sucks that that's out there. And the more and more it happens, the, you know, the more like I safeguard my own, you know, like people where I'm like, I don't know anybody anymore, I guess, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have any recs on that. Um, but you know, you just kind of reach out to, like I said, like Facebook groups and things like that. Um, well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. I don't I can't think of any other questions off of the top of my head right now. Um, but yeah, thank you just for everything you do for all these dogs and all these people because that just gives me – it gives me motivation and hope to keep going that I grow and help more people and more dogs. So yeah. thank you. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Dude, awesome, man. Very cool. This is super cool, man. Um, hey, I just I – I was curious about like your background a little bit. So I got into this – as like a secondary career, I'm a little bit older, obviously as my weathered face will show you. Um, what is your, uh, uh, but dude, it's funny. Cause when I started watching your videos, I was like, dude, I'm like, I feel we were watching it sometimes when I first found you 
And um, and I was like, I just feel like I say the same shit to yeah. all of my people. I'm like, this is so cool. And I'm like, part of it is just like kind of intuition after a few years of doing stuff. You're just like, okay, like this is just how this is. And I just need to be like clear with people. Um, but I'm curious if, if we have any like uh, instructors in our past that have that overlap or anything. Do you have any connection to like wh- how deep is your connection with the IACP? And um, do you have any connections with the um, International School of Dog Training down in Florida? Um, so IACP is uh, the organization that I just kind of joined when I started doing things professionally. Um, I was working a lot. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I was I was doing some work with the Learberg guys at the time. Um, because back in the day, like there wasn't anybody on YouTube doing, well, nobody that, uh, uh, nobody on YouTube that I could really like learn from as far as behavioral work. Right. Except like there were like little bits of, uh, the Learberg clips, you know, from Michael Ellis's DVDs and Tyler Muto and Force Mickey and kind of like the old school gang of Learberg. And that's how I started really learning, fundamentally like how to present information right because like you said like there's there's this innateness and this intuitiveness that I think some dog people can have and you can't teach it you can't learn how it got you know that's a hard thing for me when I'm teaching students uh, other dog trainers and stuff is like I can't teach you how to be rhythmic and dance with a dog it's just something that you have to have unfortunately and Yeah. So, 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 so anyway, so to answer your question, ISCP, um, uh, Tyler Muto at the time, which I was, I was going out and to Learberg and like I was at his, um, seminar and he's in Buffalo, New York. So we got to know each other and, um, he's a fantastic trainer and teacher. And so, uh, he was the, I think president of the ICP at the time. Um, and so he's the one who kind of got me into the ICP and which is of course is the international association of canine professionals and, um, and I, they email me every now and then to ask to to invite me to do different things, and I'm never either in the country or in available. Right. Um, they just asked me to do the like to do a presentation at their this year's seminar, and I'm, I'm out of the country. So that's my involvement with ICP. I think it's a great organization from what I've seen, and that's how I got into that. And then yeah, and then I yeah I, I'm not familiar with the school in Florida that you talked about. Okay, no worries. Yeah, just the um, the instructor that I had learned from, just stylistically, I was like, ah, there's a lot of style type things that uh, that overlap there. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny to hear you say, thank you for saying the dance, because I talk to my, I literally say that, so I, at, uh, you know, I'm still, whatever, I do send home lessons for all the dogs that go through my board and train, and that kind of stuff, and I literally tell them, you know, that this is like their first dance lesson, and yeah. I feel like handle the dog is a lot like a dance. There's a leader and a follower and yada, yada. And I always tell them it's going to feel awkward when you first start handling your dog and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, man, I've really appreciated that. And um, I think you had something else that I saw. Maybe it was like some of your merch or something where it said like dog training is an art or something like that. And that's the other cool thing that I really resonate with. I appreciate you putting that out there. Um, is just that one of the things I realized about myself is that I'm just like a creative, creative type person. I'm just a weirdo creative person person Mm. and i'm artistic in a lot of different ways and literally dog training to me is 
that. It's like this arty thing where you you were talking about it earlier with JC too, where you're like, it's investigation. You're try it's trial and error. And same thing, man, with those tough dogs. Like there there are dogs that I've had where I've been like, am, am I a dog trainer? Do I know what I'm doing yep. here? Like, is this am I just faking this? Have I just learned some gimmicks and it worked a bunch of times and now I have no idea, you know, what it is that I'm actually fucking doing here. But uh yeah, man. Um so anyway. Uh, thanks again for that. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think we're getting close on time. So I want to ask you just uh, an, uh, totally aside from like, you know, dogs sure. and that kind of thing. Dude, I mean, I'm just, um, I started Happy Dog three years ago. Um, right, I started getting into this right before the pandemic. <laughs> and then uh, and then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh no, I have kids. What have I done? Why, you know, and it's been nothing but amazing ever since. Obviously, you're probably experiencing that same that same wave um but you know going from like it's just me doing everything um to having one full-time employee and dude again just to let you know this girl's like incredible dude it's like as you probably know so hard to find good help Mm -hmm. and people that you can actually trust and rely on that have a good spirit and a good heart and they really love dogs and they're passionate about what they do like that's so so rare you know um and it seems like you've done, obviously somehow you've been able to create like a team around you and, and attract people into what you're doing. And what I keep telling JC is like, I just think this shit is cool. I think this is really cool. And I think we're doing something really cool here. And I just want to have more people mm. involved in what we're doing. Uh, any advice or like just thoughts, uh, not even advice, but just what are your thoughts on going like someone that's in my position where to be to be honest with you, the success has been... Uh, much more than I anticipated. It's been wonderful. And I think it's just like, if you do good work and you prove yourself, people, word gets out there. Um, and so I've busted ass for the last three, four years to kind of be where I'm at now. And, but now I'm kind of like, but I want to do more. This is, I can, I'm just one man. It's way more fun if I invite more people in on this and share this with people. How do you go, how did, how do you go from being overwhelmed as a, you know, a person like I am trying to run a business. I dude, I hate the social media thing. No, no offense, but like she keeps telling me like, you got to post on Instagram. You got to do that. I'm like, I don't want, I'm not a cult of personality guy. I don't want to be, you know, a superstar celebrity dog trainer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, although you look cool doing it, man. I, I like it, but that's not me. You know, I'm not trying to be on good morning America or any of that stuff. You know, I just want to, uh, have a cool thing and, and help more people. I don't know. Any thoughts on just going from small to a little bit bigger? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, it's hard, first of all. I mean, it, that's that's why, like, it's hard to scale because yeah. especially, like, and, and, I, and I've learned this, man. It's, like, it's really tough because I'm a uh, – I just feel like I have – I've learned over the years of what, like, empathy is, and I feel like I have an, a tremendous amount of it. And it sucks, to be honest, in, in, in a lot of equations because – I give people the benefit of the doubt over and over and over and over again. And it, it, you know, as in business, like people are going to take advantage of that. And that's, that's been the hardest thing for me is putting my, I was telling JC is like putting my trust into people because I'm just like, you seem like a good egg. And you know, I, I really like, I have a hard time, um, sometimes like it's been tough for me cause I've just been burned and my confidence with people as I grow is, yeah. is, is minimal, you know, because of that. Yeah. And so, so for me, it's like, 
delegation is the only the only way I've grown uh, in every aspect of my career. And, you know, you could talk about uh, financial or social or happiness or what, however you want to gauge the growth um, because everybody's different in what they want to do. But delegation has been like the only way I've been able to, to do that. So uh, all of the, basically as, as uh, income comes in, I figure out how many people I can hire to do things that take away my happiness. And that's been like the biggest, I think, um, I don't think I'd be able to continue to do what I do and be happy if I didn't delegate only because, and, and to be honest with you, it's just because of like social media. Like if you stay off social media, you're probably not going to have a problem because you're, you know, exposing your, not exposing, but if you're putting yourself out there of like trying to help people and help people, help people, you're just going to find people that also like are going to want to tear you down, unfortunately. And so, um, same thing with like, uh, anything else, like not just social media. I'm just saying like, that's one of the things that didn't, wasn't necessarily the thing that brought me down all the time. It was just so much overwhelming work. Right. And so I delegated like right now, I don't do any socials except for YouTube. Uh, and that's it. Like I don't do Snapchat. I don't do my Instagram. I don't, I have three Instagrams. I don't do, I, I hire people to do all of that in my team. Um, yeah. so there's that. Um, but the other, but again, that's not something that you're really interested in. I would just say, um, you know, hiring office help, hiring people to do emails, hiring people to yeah. do marketing. Um, and then as far as trainers go and, and staff for like handling dogs, it's really, yeah. it's really just like, you, you kind of just, you know, cause you love what you do and your brand and everything that you've done is like on the line. It's somebody and same thing, like with me too, like if somebody makes a mistake, ultimately I'm going to be held accountable. Unfortunately, even if I'm not even in the same state of something happening, but, <laughs> but if you yeah. get enough, if you get enough good eggs in the basket, yeah. You don't have to worry hardly as much because you know that if you have five people on your team that you would trust with your children, then yeah. if as you keep scaling and growing, they will, you know, and you take care of them. And I know that you do because you're, you're doing it right now for JC. Yeah. So I think just like, you know, you seem like a, a really friendly, happy guy, which is, which is good. Um, and some people like, you just have to, you have to be careful that you don't get taken advantage of because I'm a yes man. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. You know, like sign me up. So I think, I think that delegation and just taking it step by step, you have JC and you just have to find like four more of JC's and you'll be good. (laughs) So just keep, you know, essentially that's what I'm doing. Like, uh, probably like a lot of people, you know, I've started, well, I've gone through different iterations over the years. I'm back currently with dogs in my house for board and train. And then starting June 5th, I bit the bullet and rented some space in a a local kennel. Yeah. You know, so I'm paying, basically, basically I'm paying, you know, moving the dogs out of the house. But that's, again, it's like I'm entrusting the kennel owners to now kind of run the boarding side for me. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I appreciate you saying that, man. It kind of gives me some encouragement that I'm on the right Path. It's slow going, man. It's re- that's what I've been trying to tell JC. I'm like, this this fucking scaling a business thing is hard as shit. Yeah, I was man. like, um, like I, I'm I'm working so hard. Like I thought when I first started this, I was so happy because I was you know bored and training like a handful of dogs a month, and it was just me, and I was so happy. And then started getting busier and busier, and and uh, and now you know you get to at least for me, I caught this little wave, 
right at the beginning where you're like, oh shit, if I don't manage this, I'm going to become like, this thing's going to own me. Yeah. You know, kind of how it has felt, um, you know, the past, you know, a, a little, there are times like I'm in one right now where it just feels like it's just relentless. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it never stops, especially when the dogs are in your house with you. You know how it is? It's like, yeah. it is just brutal. Yeah. Um, and, everything, you know? Yeah. You have to, you have to set boundaries for yourself, you know, because that's the thing about doing what we do. Like, you know, we're not investors that got bored and retired and wanted to open up a beautiful doggy play care down the road. You know, this is like what we love to do and it means a lot to us and it's our passion and we care a, a tremendous amount. And so, so it's like I said, I'm a yes man. Like, you know, it's like, I want to help everybody. And I have the innate ability to hop out of bed and save a dog's yeah, yeah. life with just my brain. And that's incredible. And it's overwhelming because I have this and so do you and many other people. It's like, you have to set your boundaries though, because you can't, you can't, what's the saying of like, you can't water somebody else's flower with an empty pail or something, you know, something like that. So you have to just set those clear boundaries. Cause that, that's what it was for me too, is I just got like in the beginning, it was like very overwhelming. Um, Cause I just wanted to help and help and help and help and help. And I, I worked like seven days a week for like eight years in a row, just like trying to make things work every day. And you know, that's what I was telling JC is like, I was just like, the dogs were the easiest part. You know, I was just grabbing, grabbing gears. Like, yep, 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 yep. And yeah. yeah. And then when you get to that point where you're like, oh shit, this is like, but you're always like too, for me is like, dog training is becoming this, this empire that it can be, you know, like, and I think there's a bit of like, also too, there's a bit of like, I have, I want to like prove myself to people too. So you don't want to say no and you want to keep working hard and you want to keep being successful, but you just, yeah, yeah it's just hard to like, you got to set those boundaries of like, what is impeding on your life and making sure that you like, push against some of that stuff or at least set boundaries and uh, yeah yeah it's hard man scaling is hard that's why a lot of people don't do it and that's why a lot of people who try to do it fail because you you well i mean i remember like when i first started learning about taxes when i started my first dog walking business i'm like you mean to tell me i have to give basically damn near 20 percent of everything i earn to uncle sam i'm like i'm I'm not gonna make any money I'm not going to make any money. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I have to give all all this money to what, you know? And yeah. And I did. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I have like a really good support system and that help, you know, my wife manages everything and she, you know, does all the things that I can't do. And she does all the things that I am not good at. And, um, you just build your, you know, build your team around you and, if you want to scale, right? If you're like, I want to get to this point and it could be one more employee or 20 more employees or whatever. You just have to like write down your goals and it may change, but, and then you just have to figure out that roadmap on like, okay, if this is my goal, how do I accomplish this goal? And then that's how you, you just have to stay focused on that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, have you been to Charleston, South Carolina yet? No, I haven't. My wife really wants to go. Do you know? Do you even know, Tom? Do you know about Charleston, South Carolina, dude? I've heard all <laughs> about it. You, you you look like you would fit right in, bro. I, that was the last thing I was going to ask you was like, 
do you do you surf? Do jujitsu? Anything like that? What's your like? Uh, so what do you do? Yeah, so I've been telling myself for years if I don't get a hobby, um, I'm gonna burn myself out. So I've been I've been wanting to really get into jujitsu. Um, yeah. Because because there's a lot of camps around, uh, a lot of good good like Gracie camps that are like really good and and I just like it's something I want to do because I know that I need a hobby, I need an outlet because I'll but but here's my thing is I like just one more year, one more year, one more year, one more year. (laughs) You're gonna love it so much, man. That was honestly one of the things I when I first started seeing you on YouTube, I was like, man, I'm like we're so similar. I'm like this guy has to do jujitsu or be interested in it. So that's my, that's my thing, dude. I, uh, I, uh, that's like on my, uh, my t-shirts, it says train dogs, do jujitsu. You know, uh, I love jujitsu, man. So listen, dude, uh, if you ever, uh, are down this way or want to be down this way, man, you got a friend, a couple of friends here in Charleston, South Carolina, man, we love you, dude. We'd love to have you down here, get some surfing in, take the family, right. We'll get some jujitsu in, get some good food in, man. I, happy to host you and take good care of you guys while you're down here. So if you ever are in the area, man, Bob and JC at happy dog training Academy, we'd love to see you, man. I'd love to strangle you too. Come on. Yeah. Can't wait. Come to jujitsu. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, man. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. Tom, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate you. We really do love you. I know you don't know us, but lots of love to you guys and you and yours up there. Thanks for being a great influence on us and everything that you do. I know, you know, help so many people you don't even know about. So, just want to let you know there's a couple of us down here in Charleston that uh, really appreciate you on a daily basis. So I hope you feel that. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Yeah. All right, man. You got. You have a great day. Have a good one. All right, Thank guys. You. Thank you. Thank you. All See right. you, buddy. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. You've reached the end of the podcast, and we're going to answer some questions. First one comes from Watch My Doggo. Thank you for what you do. You're helping so many people as a new dog trainer. Um, thanks again. So that's just a nice review. Thank you so much. Next one, a uh, KVB GSD. My GSD was born in 2020. I picked her up at eight weeks old and then the shutdown happened. Needs to stay. She did not get the socialization she needed to become, and she's become dog reactive. She is now three and like a roller coaster. She went through a period where I thought she was getting better. And now she's taking a few steps back. What am I doing wrong? I think just the biggest thing is going to be mental and physical exercise. Um, uh, I think that that's like the most important thing is, is, is that exercise, you know, with, with the dog. Cause I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, so just make sure that, first of all, just know that like things ebb and flow, like they go up, they go down. Um, it happens. And I think for you, you should just be focusing on what's working obviously, and then try to really nail down the things that aren't working. Um, so record yourself when you go out. I think that that's going to be really helpful just to see what the mistakes that you're making. Um, and I think that that's my advice for you right now. Um, cause I don't really know any other context, but record yourself, see, see what's, see what's going on. Um, next one comes from quirks around the corner. Hey, Tom adopted a four year old golden retriever poodle named Mabel January, 2022. I've been watching your videos for a few years now and I've adopted her and she had a ton of dog human reactivity. I put her in a prong collar and we now completed our CGC. Right now I'm working on weaning her off the prong. I read a book controlled off leash and we are making a lot of progress, but we are still struggling with some reactivity when, when not on the prong walking around the neighborhood, it's been getting better. And she also does fine when we go out the door, to shopping centers. But when I take her to training class, to be honest, she goes a lot of places with me. It's just around the neighborhood. We don't have a yard either. So maybe that's just a part of it. I'm wondering if you have any other suggestions. She's, 
she's clicker trained now um, with a look at the game when she's been helping a lot. I'm obsessed with her and willing to do whatever it takes. Um, her obedience is fabulous on a prong, but we are getting really close with her obedience without a prong. The goal is is to do rally with her eventually. Honestly, I just want wanted the right write a review and brag about my dog with her little corks. Thank you for putting the podcast out. I listen to it every week. Um, thank you so much. This is beautiful. I would just say like, listen, like you have a dog and um, you're working on some things, right? And so sometimes your dog is going to be reactive because they can't help it, right? They see a squirrel, they see another dog. They're like, oh my God, what do we do? And sometimes like um, you got to think about it. Like sometimes that's inevitable and that's going to happen. Um, but you also have to uh, think about, um, uh, you just have to think about like what your dog is trying to do, right? So like where it's coming from. Um, so if your dog is reacting and they're unresponsive to the prong collar, I mean, there's two things that I can think of off the top of my, my head. Um, first thing is, is, um, first of all, like if your dog is making that decision to say, I don't care, I'm losing it. And sometimes like that correction is, you know, inevitably like the reason why some dogs are like, okay, fine, I won't, sorry. That like, you know, that correction, like a little kid, they're like, oh, they're crying, they're throwing a fit because they want to drink a bottle of beer that you're drinking. And you're like, you can't, they throw a fit, they scream and you punish them by saying like, Hey, if you keep doing this and acting this, this way, then no more iPhone or no more movie or no more popcorn or no more candy later or whatever, like that punishment. And they go, oh, okay, fine. Sorry. Right. So think about it like that. Um, cause it sounds like everything else is good. Um, I would just, you know, really recommend trying to figure out like what your, like your negative markers are, your corrective markers, like your leave it. So your leave it needs to be good because if it's not, it won't work. Like if you're going, leave it, correction, leave it, correction, then the leave it isn't holding ground. So you have to be really clear with your dog, dog, leave it enforcement, making sure that your verbal is enforced by your prong collar is obviously the reason why we use markers and the reason we want our dogs to learn. So oftentimes I hear people like whispering. So make sure that those things are, you know, where you need to be, uh, in order for, for that to be successful. Next one comes from MLM nine. Hey Tom, to start off, I just want to say thank you for all your videos. You give me so much confidence in training my dogs. I have a few questions I'd like some info on. I recently adopted a three-year-old pit bull mix. She's amazing with people and dogs and obedient, but there's some things to work on. First thing is, is when we're, we're on walks, she never checks in with me on the leash. She, she, forges forward when we are walking i've tried bringing treats along with rewarding her praising her and she doesn't looks at me um we have been training and dropping the leash obviously minimal distraction so i would just be doing drawbacks like that's like just do your i gosh i hate sounding like a broken record but literally just like when you're when you're out with her go like like literally backpedal say like you're out with her she's looking around she's looking around surprise her like literally say her name and draw back like a quarterback come boom and then pay her that will keep her engaged with you you also should be doing like your red light, green light type of stuff um, as you move forward and she forges past you like ah, ah, pop, pop, like all, a lot of times dog owners will like walk really fast and they're like, my dog's pulling. It's because they have four legs. You have two. So you have to make sure that you're slowing things down to keep your dog engaged. If you slow things down and correct her for passing towards you or passing your leg, she's going to start looking at you more. She's going to start paying attention more. And lastly, like do your inside turns to cut her off. Make her aware that you're there. If you're not making it aware that you're there on the leash by your body, by your leash pressure, by your rewards, by your verbals, then she's not going to pay attention to you. You have to give her a reason to pay attention to you. So you have to get creative to do all those different things and, and engaging exercises. Number two, playful in her past life or playful in the past life for the last half of a year. 
She lived with a 10-year-old Pitt who never played. She definitely didn't get the walks or mental stimulation she needed when uh, she found food around other dogs, playing with toys, and she would be a little reactive. Now that we have her brother, which is uh, a GSP, we tried to introduce them, and once she got the zoomies and overstimulated, she tackled and bit her. She doesn't have an e-collar and been introduced to your videos, but when she's overstimulated, she doesn't listen. How will I teach her to play nice? Well, when you're doing things with like play, it is a little difficult because it's a very innate things, um, and, you know, that they're doing, right? So they're playing and they're having fun and it's kind of like, it's really hard for you to be like, hey, play less aggressive. There are certain things you could do. You could definitely like shout out like, hey, leave it, enough. Like things like that to kind of like settle situations down. But if if a simple play turns into a more like aggressive um, playful thing than, than you're comfortable with. Like you just have to understand that they are dogs and, um, it is really hard to like control how dogs play. My suggestion is, is as you progress with your training, your off leash recall is going to be like, we did a, we did a video on YouTube called how do dogs actually communicate? And it's virtually like recalling a dog out of like really intense play. And that's really like when dogs are playing, like, yeah, you can go over and advocate. Okay, enough. But they're running way faster than you are. You can't play catch up. Um, it's interactive with, you know, both dogs. They're they're kind of running around. And so I think the best thing to do is just have that off-leash control when your dog becomes a little stimulated or if your dog is the aggressor or not. Like being able to just recall your dog back to you is, is I think, like the best thing you can do in that situation. Um, so I hope that that helps you. Um, and yeah, um, let's get into just one more. Chase061412 I adopted. I thought was a lab that appeared to be very well behaved. Um, I knew that he had leash reactivity, but didn't realize until I watched Tom's videos um, that he has a reactivity to dogs and people entering the house. I have worked with him for a year using Tom's tools and advice, and although he has gotten better, I'm, I haven't yet completely, I haven't broke it completely, and I, I'm hoping to learn techniques to get um, this guy there. Thanks, Tom, for all the advice. Um, so I, like I was saying in... Um, I, there, there's a podcast that I did a couple episodes ago, and it's called How to Stop an Aggressive Dog Towards Your Guest. Um, I would check that out. And, and just remember, like, dogs being react. My dog is reactive at the door. If you came to my house right now and rang that doorbell, my dog is going to be like, hey, somebody's here. What do we do? And that's normal. So don't try to get rid of it completely. Your job is to just control it when it happens and manage it. It's basic suppression, unfortunately. Um, so that's my recommendation. Check that video out and just understand like there's there's certain things that you're going to run into that you're not going to be able to like really get past. Um, so anyway, I'll uh, – yeah. So I'll, I'll wrap it up there and I appreciate you guys so much for listening and I will uh, talk to you guys next time uh, in a couple days. And I'm excited to go to Canada. Okay, bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.